Welcome to By the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, payroll, tax, and bookkeeping. Now to your hosts, Lindsay Klein, president of Sakline Bookkeeping, and Jeffrey Gonzalez, president of Payroll Guru. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. And I'm Jeffrey Gonzalez, your payroll guru. And today we have with us uh, Steve Ney. Thank you for joining us, Steve. Um, you're an enrolled agent with Daybreak Tax, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you yeah. for having me. So you brought up a great topic to talk about today, which I'm really glad that you're coming to help bring some clarification on this because it's something that comes up quite regularly with the small business owners that I service in my bookkeeping firm, which is what kind of entity should I form? Or if they've already formed an LLC, for example, should I switch to be taxed or make the election to be taxed as an S corporation or maybe in some cases even a C corporation? Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought this up as something you want to talk about today because it is definitely something that there's so much ambiguity around this topic. It's not entirely clear about when should you switch, if you should switch. So I'm going to pass the ball to you and you can help small business owners kind of muddle through this decision. That sounds great. I get this question a lot as well. Uh, the clients that I typically work with are solopreneurs and small businesses that just have a handful of employees. Yeah. So they're really in those early stages of maybe we're still a sole prop. Uh, right. Should we move into these other entity types? So I thought today we could kind of go through a, a roadmap of you can see where you're starting at and what are the possible next steps that you might want to take what might it look like 10 years down the road right. that you don't need to think about yet, but just to have it in the back of your mind that that's a possibility. I love that. Kay. Take us down the road map. We're yeah. ready. Sounds good. Get so the, seat. the default, uh, if you are a sole proprietor, if you're just starting a business, um, is, uh, is called the, the sole proprietor. It's a pass through, uh, or, or a, Anyway, it goes on your Schedule on C. Your on your personal tax return. return. That's Schedule right. Schedule C on your 1040. On your 1040. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's, it's called a disregarded entity, exactly. right? Because right. there's no entity. It there is, is no just entity. basically you as the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the income, the expenses are just flowing through to you on your personal return. Uh, and that's a great place to start. You can stay there for quite a while as well. The important things to to keep track of when you're in that stage are keeping your personal and business transactions separate. Yes. This is something we hammer on keep all the time. Personal and business separate. <laughs> um, I and, go on those tangents quite regularly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. And, and you may or may not have a bookkeeper at this point, but it's worth thinking about anyway, once you're starting to get a little bigger. Absolutely. Um, but if you don't have a bookkeeper, it, like certainly keeping the accounts separate, but perhaps also starting to use QuickBooks or YNAB or even just Excel where you're keeping track of everything so you know where the money's going, how it's going to get divided up, especially when you, it comes to tax time and you've got to split those things into each line item on right. tax return. Absolutely. Keep it separate. Yeah. So okay. that's the sole proprietor uh, in a nutshell. The other thing you might want to consider at this stage is a, a doing business as or a fictitious name or a trade name. 
Uh, if if that's helpful to you in your marketing going into the marketplace. Uh, and there's sometimes confusion around this. The DBA mm -hmm. is usually at a county level, right? Or is it always at a county level? Uh, it's usually, at least in Texas, it's usually at the county level, unless it's I know the here, DBA for an LLC, then that's at the state the, level. But. but even that, it's not called a, a DBA, at least not in Texas. In Texas, it's called an assumed name if okay. you do it for an LLC. So that's statewide if you do it that way. Mm -hmm. But for a DBA here, at least in my county, you go to the county clerk the office. County. Exactly. And it's only it, really covering that one county. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, you know, just a very minor level of name protection. And a lot of people don't realize right. that. And even if you do it at the LLC level, that's just statewide. So yeah. if you want mm -hmm. federal protection over your name, you really have to get a trademark. So right. there is some some confusion about that. In addition to that, just because you have a DBA or an assumed name or even a trademark, that doesn't mean it's a separate entity. It could still exactly. be a disregarded entity, a Schedule C, which is just you as a person. It's mm -hmm. not an entity. Yeah. So These just my points. side tangent there. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you brought all those up. Uh, so it could be useful to you, but it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not going to get you anything tax-wise, for sure. It doesn't change the tax right. situation. It has nothing to do with and taxes. And it's not going to help you in a trademark dispute or anything like that. Right. So, Yeah, that's a good mm -hmm. point. Uh, good. Also, just for clarification, there's no legal protection over your personal assets for a sole proprietor. That's absolutely right. And that's a good segue into the next entity type you might want to consider, which is a limited liability company or an LLC. The primary reason to do this is for the liability protection. Uh, it doesn't change anything on the tax side as well if it's a single member LLC. It still flows through to your personal income tax return, the 1040 on a Schedule C, uh, and it'll look Can just the same. Can I clarify that a little bit? Yes. So the IRS does not recognize LLC. Like there is no checkbox for LLC yeah. on right. your tax return. Right. And this confuses a lot of people and they get confused when I'm talking to them as a prospective client for the first time because I'll ask them what entity type they have. And if they say LLC, I'll ask them what their tax entity type is, which confuses them because a lot of people mm. don't understand those are two different things. And so what you're referring to right now and what you're saying is that if you have an LLC, you're still a sole proprietor from the IRS's eyes. That's right. They don't care that you have that LLC. That LLC is strictly for legal purposes. If you were to get sued in the legal system, you have protection over your personal assets mm -hmm. not being included. Now, that's assuming, side tangent, assuming you've kept your personal and business separate, uh -huh. then you have that protection legally. But the IRS doesn't care about any of that. Right. So unless you make a separate election... For some other tax type, you are still a sole proprietor in their eyes. So I just went on that little tangent there to clarify that. That's absolutely right. Thank you. All right. Clarifying. Keep that. going. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, that really is the primary reason why you'd want to select an LLC, create one, is for the liability protection. On the yeah. tax side, it's not going to make a difference. So she mentioned commingling. Yep. Right. To, to uphold that protection that you did for the LLC. Mm -hmm. Any other rules that business owners should keep in mind? Uh, the other thing in order to avoid having the corporate veil pierced is you need to maintain the entity as separate from you, the person. 
uh, and that can involve having a proper operating agreement in place, uh, consent forms, those, those kind of documenting the business decisions that you as the manager of the LLC are doing it for the best interest of the company, not because you felt like going to Hawaii for a trip kind of thing. And I'm sure that varies state by state in it terms does. of what types of documents are required and what's required in maintaining that LLC. Exactly. And so that's the point where you're going to want a good small business attorney on your side to mm -hmm. advise you of yeah. what, what are, what's required to maintain this entity so that you can keep the liability protection. Yeah. That's so the reason you got it. Why would somebody just stay with the sole proprietor and not sign up for an LLC since the taxability is the same? There are some costs that come along with creating the LLC. Um, I know here in Texas, it's about $350 or so to get the LLC. That's right. From the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's the, the there's registration There's no fee like ongoing fees in Texas, as far as I know, but you do now have to file an annual franchise tax return. Right. And if you're below a certain um, revenue threshold, there's not really much on it, so it's not... A huge burden, yes. but it is something you have to do. Right, so you have to file tax it whether you owe have to or file not. That. Yeah, uh -huh. yep. which is all forms, right? Zero yeah. returns are common. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> at least in the payroll world. <laughs> and yeah. then, if you've retained a small business attorney to help you set up the proper paperwork and get everybody uh, on board, that's an additional cost as well. So, what you're saying is, is that if you want to protect yourself from any potential litigation that arises from your business, an LLC is the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you can afford those initial costs. Yeah. And file the return every year. Yep. Okay. Cool. And I, I think that's money well spent. Yeah. Uh, if you're planning to grow your business, <clears throat> spending a few thousand dollars at the beginning to get that set up, well worth it down the line. That makes sense. Yes. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So at this level, the, the things to keep track of are still the same as sole proprietor. Keep your business and personal transactions separate. Um, keep, uh, keep your good books uh, and maintain the proper documentation. Something we haven't covered is what if there's multiple people involved? Because so far we've talked mm -hmm. about sole proprietor, which is just one singular person. But let's say you either have a spouse that's also an owner or some other outside person that's also an owner. That changes things. It does. Uh, that would be more of a partnership model. And here we have a similar structure to the sole proprietor, the disregarded entity, if you have a multiple people going in on a business together, the default is a partnership, not as an LLC, and it's it has to file its own information return, but it doesn't owe taxes on the entity. Everything gets passed through to the owners on their personal returns. Uh, but you can set up a LLC that's a multi-member LLC, uh, and then you get the liability protection for the partnership the income still flows through the same way on the, the 1065 and the K-1s to the individual owners. So I'll add some clarification to that. It's it's pretty much the same as the sole proprietor in that it's a, called a general partnership, correct? Mm -hmm. So it's the equivalent of a sole proprietorship, but with multiple people. That's right. Called a general partnership. So you still are not getting the legal liability. Right. It's still pretty much treated the same. It's just now instead of one, you have multiple people. Mm-hmm. Also, now you have to do a separate return. You can no yes. longer just have the Schedule C on your personal return because you've got multiple people involved. Right. So now you have a 1065 tax return, which is a business 
tax return only. It doesn't have any personal stuff on it. Right. That has to be filed. People don't realize this a lot of times. It has to be filed a month before. March 15th. March 15th instead of April 15th. A month before your personal return is filed. It's due date is sooner. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's pretty similar to the sole proprietor, there are some nuances that make it different. And it's also similar to the LLC tax as a sole proprietor in that it's an LLC tax as a partnership now. So kind of the same thing, just multiple people. And it's a multi-member LLC versus a single, single member LLC. That's right. And the reason for the earlier deadline is because the 1065 will generate K-1 forms that go to each owner, and you need that for your personal taxes. So we, the deadline mm-hmm. is a month earlier, so you have time to get it on yeah. to your uh, 1040. And one thing that people may not think about, because I've seen this happen uh, repeatedly, and in some cases, in fact, I have a client right now that's being sued by investors um, and I think it's because there has been repeated years where the tax return was not filed on time and they are waiting for their K-1 from the partnership return in order to file their personal return. And they either had to choose between filing an incorrect tax return or waiting and filing late on their personal return. So, um, you know, I guess the the moral of the story being be careful who you do business with <laughs> yeah, sure. and who has control over when and how the taxes are filed, you know, mm-hmm. that can obviously influence a lot. It can. Yeah. Things get messy when you have yes. multiple partners equal. Yes. As I have Only, seen. <laughs> some caution as you go into that. Yes. So that can get a little sticky. <laughs> All right, so that okay. kind of covers the the LLC without making any any special elections. That's right. right. So let's talk about elections. Um, there's an S election that you can make with the LLC, which is the S corp S corporation. Corporation, yeah, exactly. And what that will do is cause the entity to have to file its own information return. That's the 1120S, um, also due March 15th, and then the income and expenses from that will flow to your personal return. However, the primary benefit of doing an S election is that you as the owner shareholder can draw a salary, which then has to have the payroll taxes against it, just like your Schedule C has the self-employment taxes. Uh, But above that salary, if you want to draw additional money out of the business for your personal expenses, you can take that as a distribution with some caveats. Uh, and you so get better nutshell. tax treatment on the, the distributions. Right. So the advantage to making that S election in a nutshell is the tax advantages, yes. right? I mean, is that the primary reason people would exactly. make that S corp election? Mm-hmm. Um, and just for clarification purposes, on a Schedule C for a sole proprietor, and I assume also for a partnership, you're paying self-employment taxes on the entire net income, correct? That's right. So whatever that business nets in profit, you're paying 15%, correct? Yeah, that's the payroll taxes. The payroll taxes, Mm -hmm. right, is what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. You're paying 15% payroll tax, which is the employer and employee tax, on that entire net income of your business. Yeah, you do get to take a deduction for the employer half of it, but you still got to pay it. Gotcha. Okay. 
Just on the net income, though. Net income. Okay. So that's, sure that's clarifying here. Gross minus expenses. <clears throat> expenses. Okay. Yeah. Right. But if you make the. I thought you said revenue a second ago. That's why I wanted. No, no, no. Net income. income. Yeah. Net yep. income. That's after your expenses. But if you make the S corp election, what he's referring to is now you can take distributions which are not subject to that fifteen percent. Correct. That's correct. You don't have to pay any payroll tax on the distributions. Is that correct? Right. Okay. But the caveat there being that because you don't have to pay payroll taxes on those distributions, the IRS says you now have to pay yourself, quote, a reasonable salary. Yes. Because they still want payroll taxes from you. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I come in. Very usually. poorly defined. Yeah. Our payroll guru. Yeah, over this is here. where I usually come in. So <laughs> I get faced with this question often, mm-hmm. right? When should I do it? What are the benefits and all of that stuff? Which, of course, I'm like, you know, and what is a reasonable prepared. salary? Yeah, I'm and sure I, I have been asked that question so many times, <laughs> and I'm just like three hundred thousand. Yeah, that'll keep you safe. Yeah, like, nobody's gonna say anything to that. Uh, what do you want me to say? Yeah, you wanted to take it all. Yeah, just salary. take it all as a salary. Totally fine. With yeah, they're fine with that. But um, but I was really hoping you could kind of guide us through some some clarification. So what is that mark, right? I, and I talk to CPAs all the time. Some CPAs are like, if you're making forty thousand, you should do it. If you're doing this, obviously. Obviously, it's case by case, but what are some of those factors mm-hmm. that would help you identify those cases? Uh, well, the first thing I would look at is uh, what does someone in your industry with a similar level of experience get paid at another company? Yeah. And I, I'm kind of wondering if at a payroll company you have access to some like generic We do not. No. I'll, I'll okay. give you some well, industry secrets here. Salary.com okay. is, is our go-to. But it's also the <laughs> biggest, I mean, it's true. It's also the biggest database, right? And uh-huh. it has like a thousand levels of experience per job that you can select. So, okay. I mean, it's a very good database that I, I know a lot of CPAs use and I I will send people the link to right. make their it's own decision. Very interesting, this question, what is a reasonable salary? And I've asked numerous yeah. tax preparers, CPAs, this question, and it's funny how none of them answer no the, same answers way. the same way. Yeah. And I've had people saying, oh, well, if, as long as it's about 50% salary, 50% distribution. I was told 75, 25. And then yeah. another <laughs> CPA said, well, no, of course you wouldn't do that. Because what if your net income is you know, $400,000. Are you going to pay yourself $200,000 salary? That's when you would only more. pay somebody 60000 to do, do the your job? job or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Right. right. So it's it really depends on who you ask and how they answer this question. So what is your particular flavor of answering this question? <laughs> I'm, I am going to cop out and say it depends. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my starting point would be to look at, at uh, industry salaries yeah. and then and how much the total revenue is, and then. So, are you kind of basing it upon what your responsibilities are? I mean, I assume really the goal here is that if right. it's questioned by the IRS, I would think that if you show some reasonable research, having done, hey, I've looked mm-hmm. at my job responsibilities. Here's exactly. similar jobs I've found. This is what I found to be what people were getting paid for this. That's mm-hmm. probably all an auditor is looking for, right? Right. And auditors are overworked. If you can make their job easier, right. that right. gets you on their good side. Can we back up a second, though, yeah. and talk about when that S-Corp election is, is going to be beneficial? Mm. 
right? Because yeah. so we, we've, we've, at... jumped, we've jumped to how much you should pay yourself once you've done it. But how do I know as a small business owner, like I'm, I'm making good money now and it's, it's, being, it's, worth, it's getting better. Um, when should I say, hey, let's do this so I can start taking distributions instead? Right. What's well, that kind of plays into this because your salary that you pay yourself is going to kind of determine the cost of having the S-Corp election, right? <laughs> That's what right. are those costs? So uh, I'll answer that in a second. Okay. We'll start with the, the salary. So we're, we're just coming at you here. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> we bump into this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Uh, if you have, like, if you want to draw 200000 total, say, and we do 100000 is the salary, 100000 is uh, distributions, what you want to calculate is what's the tax savings from not having to pay payroll tax on that the distribution the 100k there because if you're a, if you're a sole proprietor you're going to pay 15% of that entire 200,000 200, yes. yeah. making the S corp election you get to save the 15% on that 100,000 that you took as distributions instead that's right so and what so, additional fees are you well, offsetting then so the things that you have to pay uh being taxed as an S corp that you didn't have to pay before is typically just increased compliance costs mm -hmm. because now your tax pro has to file the 1120s. Okay. Um, you have to run payroll if you weren't already doing that. So mm -hmm. if you're the only employee, that's you've got to start doing that for you. Um, so you've got are, payroll costs, payroll ones. processing costs, which you can call Jeffrey for that. Yeah. He'll help yeah. you out yeah. with that. Exactly. Yeah. You've got now to pay somebody to prepare your 1120S unless you want to try to figure that out yourself. Because it's a new return. The old ones are still getting And fired. speaking from personal experience, because I tried to do my own last year when I first made uh -huh. my S-Corp election, I have done my taxes every single year as a sole proprietor. And uh -huh. last year was my first year as an S-Corp. And I'm like, ah, I got this. <laughs> piece of cake i can do this i'm familiar enough with taxes right i uh i called uncle and finally called a professional to handle this for me because i realized i was in over my head and just from talking to a lot of tax preparers and cpas it seems like a fifteen hundred dollars is about the average cost of an s corp return so that fifteen hundred dollars is now an additional cost mm -hmm. that the business is occurring that previously they didn't have to worry about because a, a 1040 is much cheaper. Right. And you've still got to file your 1040. Yeah. Right. You still got to so file the 1040. It's just the purely new expense. Right. Exactly. Okay. Right. Yep. So. so you've got that, say $1,500, whatever the payroll costs in a year, you know, a couple thousand perhaps. Um, if you've gone over that threshold then with the amount you're going to save on distributions, then it might make sense. Okay. The other caveat is you want to make sure that you're going to continue to hit that revenue level in future years because once you make the election mm. uh, you you can't uh, roll it back immediately if next year things it's change drop. right so if you're confident that your revenue is pretty stable or it's going to keep growing uh, you're going to continue drawing that salary those distributions the cost makes sense then yeah, that's... I love it. So that just, was very clear. Just yeah. doing this from uh, the scenario that we've been talking about, you've got $100,000 of distributions, $100,000 of W-2 income to yourself. Mm -hmm. So the distribution cost savings, if you were to make the S election, $15,000. Right. That's but we're adding some additional operating costs because now uh -huh. we've got that $1,500 tax return. Payroll costs? Give us an average on that. Um, payroll for an S-Corp. If we're talking one person, we're probably talking 800 bucks a year. 
800 bucks a year. So now maybe let's round up to $2,500 a year in additional expenses because of having that. So that's obviously still a pretty significant savings. And in yeah. that scenario, it seems like it would be worth it to go ahead and make the S-Corp election. Mm -hmm. I agree. Around the 100000 mark is where I would start to... And when you say 100000 mark, you uh, mean total, net income? Total revenue. Yeah, net income. Exactly, okay. For the business. Okay. okay. And, and it might be before that. It might be after that. Um, but yeah, we would run exactly yeah. these calculations. Yeah, with exactly. The Which is what I wanted because yeah. I, I want to be able to take this episode and send it to people and say, you know, this yep. is a good place to start. Talk yeah. to your tax professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I assume this goes into planning when you're looking at this for a particular client. I'm sure case by case things come up where, you know, maybe somebody has a particular situation that might change it that right. somebody else with the same net income might have something else going on that mm -hmm. maybe you make a different yeah. choice. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely say yeah. talk to your tax planner and figure out the best solution for your situation. Again, the answer is de it depends. It depends. It, it's always it depends. <laughs> hopefully that's depends. a useful, <laughs> useful guideline. Yeah. When do I start? need to start thinking about this? Yeah, absolutely. So do you aggressively um, go after that? If you start seeing somebody's numbers getting into that range, do you call them and say, hey, let's talk about this? Like, what does that look like from your perspective? Uh, yes, if they're... I, I like to be proactive with my clients on the on the planning side, mm -hmm. and so if they're getting to that point, uh, yeah, well, I'll I'll, yeah. Sit, I'll propose the idea. Say, let's yeah. sit down and run these numbers. And there's some other advantages too once you get to that as well, right? Other ways to defer taxes, right? Like uh, doing 401k stuff like that. Oh yes, yeah, of course. yeah. To to, to mm -hmm. lower your tax burden is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah, there's the right. once you hit that S corp, there's a few different strategies you can start now. So what if, let's say, you get into the year and you didn't know your income was going to jump up so much mm. and you realize into the year or maybe after the year's over and you finally get your bookkeeping done, <laughs> you're like, oh, I did a lot better than I expected. Is it too late at that point or can someone still make the S-Corp election for the previous year? That is a good question. And I don't know the answer off the top of my head. Okay. There, I do believe there is... A grace period, but I don't remember how long it is where you can retroactively go back. Okay. So you could look at it after the year is over and determine and even run scenarios on real numbers then if you have that grace period to say, okay, let's let's go ahead and make that election retroactively. From what I've been told, though, they really want you to make that election at the beginning of the year. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think the grace period is a whole year yeah. okay. long, but... But at least in that time frame before you file your extension or file your return, I would assume you could still do it in the first quarter of the year, or you just don't know? I don't know. Okay. okay. It, no, I do know you have to make that election by the end of March every year. Okay. Yeah. And then- Or for the prior year? For this year. For, this for the year. current year. For the current year. Yeah. Okay. So if I want to be okay. an S-Corp- for 2023's calendar year, I have by the end of March. Well, there must be a caveat so the... to do it retroactively. You can, you can ask. You can always ask I've the had... IRS to do whatever you okay. want. But I know that so you can like... file it by the end of it. And it just it, has to yeah. get approved. It has to get approved, yeah. Okay, yeah. so it may be a case I've had case. clients that push it, right? And, you know, yeah. sometimes it works. Because I've seen it happen yeah. retroactively. So it must be, there must be some caveat. Maybe it is just a special request with the IRS where you can do it retroactively. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we'll put that as a question mark. Maybe we'll get some other professional that knows all yeah, the Yeah, who does that? that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get an IRS agent on here. You eventually. can see you can dissect <laughs> yeah. this topic yeah, like so extensively. Far. 
So, all right. So that covers the LLC S-Corp. Now, what about if somebody just wanted or thinks they want an actual S-Corporation that's not an LLC? Does anyone do that anymore? As in a C-Corporation? No, an actual S-Corporation. So the, the S-Corporation is an election you still have the entity underneath it, and it's either an LLC or a. But you can get an actual S corporation that was around before LLC even existed. But I wonder if anyone even does that anymore. Right. My understanding is that it's a, a C corporation that you're making the S election on. Oh, okay. And that, I could be wrong, but that's, okay. Uh, I think what it is. Interesting. Okay. I did, I did not know, know that either. I don't think I don't know if anybody even does that though. I haven't seen that. Well, and there's really I my understanding not a lot of incentive to do an actual S corporation anymore because the regulations for the LLC with an S election are so much less than an actual oh, S corporation. Absolutely right. So if you're if you're at the point where you where the business is big enough that you want to take on investors um, or you need multiple owners or you want to go public, uh, those kind of things, then that's where, because there's a whole lot more compliance costs with a C corporation or an S corp in that sense uh, where you've got to have more financial filings and uh, the, the tax returns are a little more robust for a C corp than an LLC or uh, an LLC taxes and S corp. And I know there is, isn't there a certain level of revenue where you don't have an option? You have to be a C-Corp. Is that true? Seems like I read mm. something like that, like something like $25 million or something. Once you get past a certain threshold, you have to be a C-Corp. That could be, I don't have any clients that are. Yeah. At, at well, level, yeah, you so have to be dealing with quite a large echelon of clients at that point. Yeah. So, Okay. Well, that'll be another question. Maybe we have to get an expert here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. There really there's, is. There's always a lot of if-thens, if-thens. And then even when mm -hmm. you get to the very end of the flow chart, it still it's just says it depends. Uh, so. <laughs> Imagine going through all the steps and then at the end it says, it depends. depends. <laughs> that is almost always the answer we get from tax professionals. Yeah, it depends. So it yeah. depends. So what does our small business owner audience need to know about uh, C-Corps and S-Corps? Uh, C-Corp is probably not going to be useful to a small business owner uh, until they get a, a pretty high revenue. They've got lots of employees. They need investors, perhaps, um, primarily because of those increased compliance costs. Yeah, and there's, yeah, and I mean, there's one thing that we're finding out in our firm. We have some of those that are... C corporations that are going after crowdfunding and mm -hmm. different types of mm. investor funding. Yeah. That is an entirely different um, arena of bookkeeping and tax issues. And just from a hiring standpoint, it has been extremely difficult for us to find accountants that have that experience. And we, we've even asked our most experienced bookkeepers who are accountants, would you be willing to learn this? Mm -hmm. And they don't want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> so it has been very wow. interesting to find, I I've come to learn just from experience and dealing with this now that it really takes a special kind of person that wants to touch this stuff because it is really a whole different playing field from regular everyday small business accounting. 
Have you That's found right. that to be the case in your world as well? Yeah, I haven't worked with any clients that have been that big yet. And in, in our case, we're not either. These are actually startups. You know, there are people that are looking for funding. Uh-huh. They don't have it, and that's why they need it. Right. So we're not dealing with people that have millions of dollars like you think of with a C-Corp, but they still yeah. have to be a C-Corp right. because they're seeking that funding. And so, it, it you know, th- this private equity arena, yeah. it's just specialized and uh, we even have a CPA on our team now, and she has offered now for all her CE that she needs for her CPA to start learning more about the private equity realm okay. so that she can be more of a service to these clients because yeah. it has been very difficult for us to find people that A, are willing to do it, and B, certainly people that have experience doing it. So um, I've just found yeah. that to be, that's one particular pain point I'm dealing with right now in my business. <laughs> You might just have to start taking these classes yourself. And, uh, no, 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 we talked about this in another yeah, episode. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't get involved in that. I find somebody else that can. Yeah, it's yeah. just been a challenge but, in this case. And there's a big need, though, right? I mean, the number of the number of companies that are seeking funding like that, um, private equity is just everywhere nowadays. Yeah. So wow. I'm sure this is going to continue to come up more and more. So um, there's an opportunity here, especially in our state, right? Our backyard, Texas. Yep. I mean, it's just attracting these new ideas and stuff. Um, and we're just going to start seeing more and more of it. So it's exciting, but it's a whole new yeah. realm of things that people haven't really dive, dove into, apparently. Yep. Yeah. Are there any other entities that you think that our audience needs to be aware of? Um, no, I think that covers the gamut. Okay, awesome. Anything else that you think that we need to touch on? No, I think the only thing we haven't mentioned about C Corp is that it gets taxed twice, once at the corporate level for all the uh, gross income there, and then once again at the individual level for the that's a great distinction that we should make. The C Corp is the only one out of the ones we've mentioned that gets taxed at the business level. That's right. Everything else we've mentioned, sole proprietor, partnership, S corporation, the LLC, however it is taxed, those are all passed through to the personal tax return. And that's the level mm-hmm. at which it's taxed is on the personal tax return. The C Corp is the only one that is taxed on the, when you file that business return, taxes are owed at that point, at that level. And so when you say double taxation, you're saying not only are you taxed on the business income, but then what happens if you're an owner or part owner of a C Corp? What happens on your personal return? If you were drawing a salary that will show up as a W-2 um, and then if you're drawing distributions, it'll depend what your basis is in the in the corporation. But, but you're uh, taxed on those distributions. Taxed on that as well. So you don't get the S corp, uh, basically uh, exemption like well, you do. It, you do I from payroll tax. Dis- I, yeah, I don't think the distributions from a C corp are subject to the payroll tax. Payroll tax. So you still get the tax. same payroll tax exemption regardless. Right. It's just the income tax that is owed then. Yes. Okay. And, but that's on either one, right? Whether right. it's an S corp or C. Either okay. Way. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting taxed on the distributions plus you're getting taxed on the business income. Yep. Gotcha. Wow. So yeah, that's a then, big distinction. 
But the uh, silver lining is that the C Corp tax return is not due till April 15th. Same yeah. time as your personal return. It doesn't yeah. have to be a month earlier like the other one. Now, that's interesting. So there's no K-1 involved. That's right. So how then do you account for the distributions that you have to account for from the C-Corp? They still show up on your personal return, but they, they uh, well, I'll back that out because I haven't filed a C-Corp return yet that had a K-1 or that had owner distributions, I should say. So I'm not positive on that. But they will still show up on the owner's return, even though the um, the corporation's return is not due until the same time as the personal return. Interesting. So if the C corp doesn't file until the deadline, do you do you not get your K one until the date of the filing? Well, and that's why I think that maybe there's not a K one. There's on not the a K one involved. Right. Interesting. So the owner is responsible for tracking their own distributions. Is that how that works? Right, and you've got to keep track of the your. Well, so in a C corp, you are a shareholder. If you're an owner, you're also a shareholder, and so you've got basis in the stock of okay. the C corp. And so the distributions you draw are going to uh, how they get treated tax wise will depend on what your basis was in the. So it's the it's like stock in any it's, other it's type closer of to company. That, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you'd have to track it just like you would any other stock that you hold mm -hmm. an interest in. So it's like selling stock whenever you take a distribution? Uh, at a high level, we can think of it that way. I don't know quite enough of the details to okay. to fill that in, fill that picture in So entirely, we need to get a C-Corp expert get, on here. Yeah. <laughs> but they do not Somebody use, so according to Dr. Google, they don't use FK1, but they do file, You do, it does get tracked on a Form 1099 dividends. DIV. Oh, okay. Okay, there so we the go. 1099s come Thanks out probably in up. January, and yeah. that's how they can yes, account right. for it. Okay. Those are, yeah. yeah. You've got a whole episode on 1099s, yeah. and they're due. I do, but I didn't know that that's how a 1099 shareholder or a, a C Corp shareholder yeah. accounted yeah. for their income. Interesting. Right. We've all learned something today. <laughs> Uh, of course, Thank you, you know, learning yeah, on the re spot. Refer to your tax Why? preparer. But, um, <laughs> a tax preparer that understands C-Corps very intimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, and obviously, you know, target markets are different, right, depending on... Right. This, this goes back to what I said, though. You can see where this is a whole different echelon, a whole exactly. different arena, yeah. where you can find a tax preparer pretty easily for an 1120S, a 1065, a Schedule C. If you have a C-Corp... It is a whole different arena. It really right, is a specialized yeah, thing. And yeah. I'm probably not the one you should hire <laughs> yeah. in that situation. Yeah. 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 But even for the bookkeeping, I mean, yeah, Even it's, on the bookkeeping side. And we have had yeah. conversations of should we stop offering services for that? Because mm. it is specialized and we've had such a problem finding good accountants that really have a good handle on how to do it. Yeah. Um, but the sad part is I wouldn't even begin to know who to refer them to. Yeah. Because um, I um, hate just saying we're not a good fit for that. I like to refer them to somebody that they can. And that's why I started right. my networking of, of uh, networking group of bookkeepers. But I don't think I know a single one go. that could really have a good handle on the private equity and the C-Corp mm. bookkeeping. So it really is a specialized thing. So if anybody's thinking about going that route with crowdfunding or anything like that, just know you need a really highly specialized team yeah. and professionals behind you. It is not just like 
setting up a sole proprietorship. Right. So uh, be aware that your cost will be higher. Yeah. The likelihood for error if you don't have the right professional is extremely high <laughs> as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my little uh, tangent about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, thank you It for was having great me. having you and for guiding us down this roadmap for all the entities. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit in summary before we close out about what you do, what services you provide, and how people could reach you. Sure. I am the owner of Daybreak Tax, uh, also a sole proprietorship. So this is really right in my wheelhouse of the clients that I serve are either solopreneurs or they've got uh, just a handful of employees. Yeah, that's that's the... The, the bread and butter. And I do, I do um, tax compliance, so that's filing tax returns, a little bit of tax planning. Um, I also offer tax representation for current clients that if they get an IRS letter and they don't know what to do with it, I can help them there as an enrolled agent. Very nice. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was yeah. a pleasure having you today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I am Lindsay Klein with Sakline Honest, Accurate Bookkeeping Performed on Time. And I'm Jeffrey Gonzalez with The Payroll Guru. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time. Buy the Books is presented by Sakline Bookkeeping and Payroll Guru. For more information, visit sakline.com or payrollguru.com. The information provided on these websites and podcasts does not and is not intended to constitute legal or accounting advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline and Payroll Guru may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney or accounting professional to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal or accounting matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney or accountant can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.